Well, welcome to 2020 and a future quest. Uh, so glad you're here. And I say welcome to 2020. Of course, this is the second weekend of 2020. Last week, Ryan Leak uh, did such a great job uh, speaking from this platform. And, uh, and if you missed it, uh, you need to go back and watch it. Can we just appreciate him? Uh, it was a great message if you were here. And one of the reasons I say that is because with uh, Blake Bergstrom, who was a, a big part of our teaching team and went off to be a senior pastor in Atlanta. He's doing great, by the way. Real blessing to that church. Um, we've asked Ryan to step into that role. So you'll see a lot more Ryan. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. He's excited about that. And, uh, and that'll be great. And so I'm excited about him, but I'm excited about you, too. Uh, whether you've been here a long time or this is your first time, uh, whether you're online or at one of our campuses, we're just really, really glad you're here because today we are starting a new series called Future Quest, or the way I like to say it is Future Quest. I don't know why, but uh, well, let's just do it. Just say Future Quest. It doesn't really work, does it? But, um, but the reason I do that really is because we're going to have some fun with this series. Uh, we're not taking the theming too seriously. And that, when we were designing, you know, we have this group that designs series. And when we were in that meeting doing that, some people said, hey, do you think people are going to think we're like, you know, taking it a little too seriously because it's really cheesy. And we're like, no, we're, we're choosing cheesy on purpose because who doesn't like cheese? Right. Cheese makes everything better. I mean, I even like broccoli if it has enough cheese. So. Uh, so, yeah, let's you know, let's have fun with it. So we will. And your host, uh, your campus pastor has already had fun with that with Star Trek. We'll kind of keep that up. Um, but not only will we have fun, it's also an incredibly significant topic because we're talking about us in the future. We're talking about really the future God has for us and the destiny that he has for us and how to become the kind of people we want to be and how to live in to the future that he has uh, because we won't just drift there. We're invited to be intentional in that. So that's uh, that's the series. And so I invite you to come each week, get in a group. And it's not accidental that this Future Quest series is taking place in the year 2020. Because in my era, and I know we all have different eras, we were all born at different times. So if you were born in, you know, 2010, then 2020s, not, you don't think of as the future so much. But when I was a little kid, 2020 was the year of the future. Like when I was a little kid, you know, you think, wow, 2020, what's 2020 going to be like? And it's just going to be incredible in 2020. And it's going to be amazing. And now it's 2020. And I got to say, I feel a little bit let down. Um, It's kind of like this Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where Calvin says, where are the flying cars? Where are the moon colonies? Where are the personal robots and the zero gravity boots? Huh? You call this a new decade? You call this the future? Ha! You know, right? I can relate to that because I we we're talking about all that stuff. We all be wearing spandex suits and all this kind of I mean, and driving around in these flying cars would be totally awesome. Uh, so maybe who knows? 20 years from now, that'll happen. But I get it can be a little bit hard to predict what's going to happen. Like Yogi Berra uh, once said, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future, right? It's, you can predict anything except the future, right? That's, that's hard, to, hard to do. But in this series, we're actually going beyond that. We're actually going beyond talking about how to predict the future. We're going to talk about how to create the future and how God has a future and he wants us to join him in that. Because the truth is this, you and I are creating your future, like you're creating your future. I'm doing the same thing. You're creating your future right now, whether you realize it or not, uh, by the the patterns in your life, the habits in your life, 
the priorities in your life, the decisions you're making, the people you're hanging around, uh, the commitments you have, all that is actually creating your future. No, whether you realize it or not, you're, you and I are creating our future. And we can either be intentional about that or drift about that or kind of try to drift into a wonderful future. And, and typically, a lot of people, I think most people are pretty intentional about maybe one area of life or two, like really intentional about career, but not so much about something else. And the problem with that is this, that you and I will never just drift somewhere great. It doesn't work that way. I mean, if you've ever been, if you've ever done much boating, you know that, you know, I like to, many of you know, I like to sail out on the ocean. And one thing you don't want to do on the ocean is to be adrift. That's not cool. That's like the thing you fear. You do not want to be adrift at sea because you're never, I mean, the chances of you drifting where you want to go are about zero. The chances of you drifting into somewhere not so great, really high. And, and God invites us, therefore, to be part of the process and to be intentional about our future, not just sort of think we're not just drift. And so let's let's start thinking a little bit intentionally and think of yourself like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. You choose whichever makes sense. And just ask yourself big questions like this right now. Just who do you want to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What kind of impact would you like to be having? What do you want your relationships to be like? I, I listened to a sermon not too long ago from a, a pastor buddy, and he asked this question. I thought it was a great question. What would you like people to line up at the end of your life to thank you for? That's a great question, especially since on this platform on Friday, I, we uh, did a funeral for a person who was a, a friend of mine and a friend of many people in this church. And anytime you do a funeral like that for somebody who dies way too young, you're always asking like, wow, how about my life? And it's a, and a lot of people were thanking him and, and being thankful for his life. But what would you like people to line up at the end of your life and thank you for? Those are great questions to think about and to be intentional about our future. But it's, it act, this series is actually better. The, the reality, too, is better than that. It's not just about you and I being intentional about our future. Here's the, here's the great news. That God has thought about your future. That God has a vision for your life. And he invites you to join him. God has thought about you. He has a vision for your life. In the passage in the Bible that we'll be diving into today is in Philippians 2. And here's kind of the, the, the high point of that. We'll look at the whole passage. But Paul says this, and you will shine like you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. God has a vision for your life. He wants you to shine like a star in the sky that gives light to what's otherwise dark. He, he wants you to stick out, make an impact like, you know, the stars at night are big and bright. Ah, oh, you're so good. Deep in the heart of Texas, right? God wants you to be a star. He's got a vision for your life. He's thought about you. I mean, the Bible talks about this a lot, like in, in the back in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet when God was I mean, when Jeremiah was like 16, 17 years old. Probably God uh, has this conversation with him and he says this to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. While you were still in the womb, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Meaning before you were on this planet, I had a destiny for you and I'm going to let you know what it is. And you think, wow, that's cool for Jeremiah. But it's also true about you. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, for we, you and me, we are 
God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. He's already thought about you. He has a vision for your life, who he wants you to become, what he wants you to accomplish. In fact, our big point today is this, is that God has a vision for your life and he invites you to join him in creating that. Now, some of you hear all that I'm saying and you're really pretty confident people And you think, well, yeah, God's got a big vision for my life. And like the song we just heard uh, at all of our campuses a little bit ago, Unstoppable. You know, like, yeah, I'm a hero everywhere I go. I'm unstoppable. You know, and you're thinking you're you're just confident people. And that's great. Um, It's really great. Glad glad for you. Uh, We do have a couple of sermons on humility online that you may want to watch. But um, but at least like, you you know, but but most people aren't quite there. Most people are kind of kind of there. You think, yeah, I guess that's true. And and some some of you I know just through life or whatever's happened, they're like, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I get God has a big vision and destiny for some people, but I don't, I don't think me. Maybe you grew up in a home where, where that thought was just sort of just crushed out of you. And that's, I'm sorry, because that's not reality. You need to listen to your heavenly father about you. And he's got a big vision for your life. Others of you might say, hey, maybe that happened at one time, but I've blown it, man. If you knew what I did in my life, you know what I did last night. If you knew what I did last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, right? I've just, whatever, I've squandered it, I've ruined it and all that. And you just don't understand God. God is a redeemer. That's what he's into. He, he will make all that stuff part of your story and make the vision even better. That, that's what God does. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the, the TV show. I, well, when I watch, when Christy and I watch TV, we tend to watch two channels, uh, the Food Network and HGTV. And I don't know why, because neither one of us like to cook, and I hate doing stuff around the house. So I have no idea why those two channels. But, um, but on HGTV, there's that show, you know, Fixer Upper, right? The Gaines, you know, Joanna and Chip, I think. And, and what I like about that show when I've seen it is not really the end when they show you the big reveal. I mean, that's cool. But what I really like is toward the middle when they're still picking the houses because you go into these houses and you look at them at first, what they are, and they're kind of dumpy. And you're like, oh, man, that's terrible. That's, that's not good. I hope they don't pick that. And then she gets into her thing where she says, but here's what we would do with this, you know, dumpy house. And she Go and she, you see the computer rendering of what it would look like if you knocked out this wall and did this and put shiplap there and whatever. And, um, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. Like she does that with everything. You're like, that'd be the best house ever. I want to move there. Right. And you think, wow, can't she come and do that in my house? Cause she's so gifted that, well, God gave her that gift. And the God who has every, every power, like God, who's way more powerful than that. Look at your life the same way. He doesn't see what is. He sees what can be. And when you and I begin to understand that, it really changes everything for us. Um, I remember one of the first times I really got that, that God had a vision for my life that was bigger than I could imagine and that he invited me to join him in. I was, I, I was young. I was like 13 years old. And I'm really glad I was young. And for those of you who are teenagers, man, I'm so glad you're here to listen to this message. And please listen, because it's true. And you've got your whole life ahead of you. And, uh, and if you do what we're talking about this message, it'll be so cool. But I was 13 and, uh, and I'd been invited to a youth group, you know, a church youth group, uh, by this guy named Don and, uh, who was a friend of mine in high school. And, and, uh, and you know, you never know the power of an invitation, right? I mean, he just invited me to his youth group. It changed my life forever. So I go to this youth group, start getting involved and, um, become, I, you know, became a Jesus follower, all that. And, 
And there's a guy, young adult serving in the youth ministry named Todd. And by the way, for those of you who are young adults in our church, that's a great ministry to consider youth ministry. And he was a young adult who was doing that. And for whatever reason, he took an interest in my life. He saw something in me that I couldn't see. I mean, 13, 14 year old kid, I was I was goofy, forgetful, ADD, kind of like I am now, <laughs> actually. And, you know, and I don't know what he saw, but he saw something. And so he decided to start this ministry and, and, and invite some uh, teenagers into it. I was kind of the baby. Most of them were in high school. I was uh, just going into high school. And, but the way he did it, I'll never forget. He, uh, he took me out to dinner and he handed me this letter. Now, if you saw the two of us at this restaurant, you wouldn't put the two of us together. This was in the 80s. I was preppy, you know, in the 80s, you know, the button down collars and certain kinds of jeans. She's, I, I, was a, I was a preppy kid. Uh, he was not. He was like anti-preppy. Uh, he, he came out of the hippie movement in the 70s and nobody had told him that was over. That's what he looked like. So you just wouldn't put the two of us together. And, but God did. And uh, so he, but he hands me this letter and he read, well, he re- reads it and then hands it to me. And here, and here's the essence of that letter. He said, Jeff, when I look at you, I see a lion cub, young, playful, fun to be around. But when I really look at your life, when I really take a second look and a deeper look, I see beyond the lion cub to the lion that you're destined to be. Because I believe God put so much in you to make an amazing impact in this world. And Jeff, if you're open to it, I would love to be part of seeing the lion cub become the lion you're destined to be. Now, as a 13-year-old kid, I didn't have that vision for my life. I didn't have that kind of like thought about my life, but he did. And, I, and he un- helped me explain that God did. And, and he invited me into this ministry, you know, Bible study. But we also did a lot of stuff in the community, serving, things like that. What I've been praying that today, the beginning of this series, would be for everybody here, for all of us. Just, I, wa- I just want you to picture this. It would be like this. Like God taking you to dinner and handing you a letter. We're going to look at it. It's called Philippians. Handing you a letter and just saying, look, there's so much I've put in you. I've got an amazing future for you. I have an amazing vision for you. And would you join me in making this happen? That's what we're going to talk about today at the beginning of this series. And so we're going to look at Philippians 2 because you and I have a role to play in it. He won't just do it. He won't just push his vision. There's a role that we have to play, and we need to understand that. And so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to, I'll have it up here, but if you want to follow along on like the U, uh, U version or Bible app, whatever. Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends. Now, the reason Paul is calling the people in the Philippian church as dear friends is because they were dear friends. He started that church. When he went to Philippi, there were no Christians. He brought the message of Jesus to Philippi. And God, he was a missionary and he started this church and he was there for some time. And helping them grow in the faith. He got to know them really well. And then he moved on to start other churches. And that's why he said, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence when he was there, but now much more in my absence that he's moved on. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. 
children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life. So he's saying, look, guys, you, you've just always amazed me as a group of people. I feel like that about Chase Oakers. Chase Oakers just always amazed me. Like, you know, always surprised me to the positive. And that's what Paul is saying. He's like, man, you guys are amazing how you've, you've from the very beginning, you committed to obey God, to follow Jesus, to submit your life to his better way. And you just have kept after it. And it's so cool to see. And, and by the way, if you're going to live into God's future for you, that is the first step. That, that's what we call beginning a relationship with Jesus, becoming a Christian, choosing to be a Jesus follower. It's not just about I, I get a ticket to heaven because he died on the cross and, and rose from the dead and he paid the penalty for sin and, and he offers forgiveness freely and, and he'll forgive me so that I can go to heaven after I die. That's true. And that's a pretty big deal. So I, I don't want to minimize that. But it's about life. It's not just about life after we die. It's about life now as well. And, and that he calls us to a, a whole new way, a better way of life. And to obey, when Paul says that, could be you could translate that submit. Or it's what we mean by following Jesus. So I'm going to bend to God's better way. And, and, and that's a choice that's in front of you. For some of you, you may not be ready for that yet. I get that. There's, you know, I understand. You got your questions, things to work through. But at some point, if you want God's vision for your life, there's a basic choice to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I want a relationship with you. Well, they had done that. And Paul says, you've been on path. You've been doing great. But now there's a problem, church, to the church in Philippi. And that's why he says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. We know in the book of Philippians that there was a dispute. There was a conflict. There was a problem in the church. And he said, you guys have been so amazing and God has such a great future for you, but you're blowing it right now if you don't get this right. You've got to work this out. There's conflict in the church. If you, read, you don't have to read much of the New Testament to know that that's a big, that's a big deal. In almost in every New Testament letter, there's an emphasis on unity. Because a unified church, a group of diverse people who are unified around a common mission, that's dangerous for God. But a group that's disunified, a church that's disunified is dangerous to the mission of God. And so Paul is saying, man, you got to work this out. That was their issue. We all have our issues, right, as we're following. But Paul is saying, hey, you know, Philippi, this is your issue. And you've got to deal with it because God's vision for you is so big. And here's the vision passage, the extended vision passage. And this is God's vision for you, too. So that you may become blameless and pure. That's what God wants you to become. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life. So what Paul is saying is this. God has a vision for your life about who he wants you to be and what he wants you to accomplish. Another way to say that is character and impact. What is God's vision for your life? It's about character, who you are. It's about impact of who he's calling you to be. And so let's talk about that a little bit, because it is about who we become and then what we accomplish in our relationships, in our life, in our career, in our ministry, in our impact in this broken world. First character, he describes it this way, to become blameless and pure children of God without fault. Now, the original language of the New Testament is in English. It's Greek. And this is an English translation. It's a really good one. But sometimes it's helpful to kind of dig underneath and say, hey, what? What can we learn from the original language, from Greek? And this is one of those. So the word blameless is, is a word that's sometimes translated above reproach. Uh, or sometimes it described this way, of people not having anything bad to say about you. 
What blamelessness, what God wants for your life is to be the kind of person that people, when they think about your name or they think about you, they're like, oh man, I love her. Or, oh man, he's such a great guy. Like that's the kind of guy that I, that's the kind of guy or kind of girl I'd love to marry one day if you're not married. Or the kind of guy or kind of girl I'd love my kid to marry one day if you've got a kid. Or that's the kind of person I'd love to be my boss. I mean, they're just a great person. That's what God wants for you. Uh, The word pure, literally in the Greek, it's unmixed, unmixed, meaning consistent, that what you see is what you get, a solid person, a person that's just not hypocritical, that is consistent. When I think about that, I think about one of the mentors in my life that started this church. His name is Gene Getz. He's just an unmixed person, a consistent person. Uh, Even when he's made mistakes, because we always make mistakes, the way he, because it doesn't mean perfect, but the way even when you make a mistake, a person who is unmixed will handle that in a humble, godly way and learn from it. Right? So it's that kind of person, a consistent, unmixed person. And then children of God without fault. Um, I love that picture because essentially what he's saying is God wants you to be like your heavenly father. Um, It's kind of like for me, you know, my dad um, died three years ago almost now. And, you know, we lived in Alabama. That's where I grew up. And when I go back to Alabama, sometimes people will say to me, not enough, but sometimes, oh, man, you're so much like your dad. I'll say, man, you're just like your dad. It's hard to give a better compliment to me than that. My dad was an amazing dad. An amazing husband, great boss, just great person. And I'm not like my dad. I I aspire to be like my dad, but I'm not there yet. And so when people say, man, you're so much like your dad, I'm like, oh, man, thank you for saying that. It's not true, but thank you for saying that. Um, Paul's going above that. He's saying, look, God wants you to be like your heavenly father. So people say, man, you're must be what God is like. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty lofty when you put all that right together. Blameless, pure, children of God without fault. But that's what God wants for you and me. That's his vision for us, to be that kind of person, the kind of person we all want to be. And then impact. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life, a life of impact. An image that the Bible uses a lot is to shine like a star in the darkness or a light in the darkness to talk about impact. Because it's such a powerful picture, right? We're stumbling around in the dark, and it's terrible in the dark, and boy, we just need light. And God has put you and me everywhere he's placed us to be light. Jesus came as the light of the world, and now he calls us as his followers to light the darkness, to bring hope to hopeless places, to bring help to those who need it, to bring the message of Jesus to those who don't know it, right? We're called to be light everywhere we go. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Christmas. And by the way, you rocked our Christmas services. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, Chase Oaks is a place, and, and you may be new to Christianity and all that. This is a, this is a place uh, where, um, we, we, on purpose, we do church in a way that non-church people can uh, engage. And we do church not just for church people, but non-church people. And... Um, and Christmas is such a great opportunity to invite. Every week's an opportunity to invite, but Christmas is like the perfect time to invite. And some of you are here because you were invited by somebody, just like I was invited by Don to that youth group and met Jesus, changed my life, right? That's the opportunity that's there. And, and when I say you guys rocked Christmas on the like, invitational thing, that was the largest church service in the history of Chase Oaks Church because of your, your invitation. And it's really cool. 
I mean, it's a lot of people who were able to celebrate um, and be open to that. Um, but one of the high points of that service is always the candle lighting time. Uh, here's the legacy campus. It's true at every campus, but there's the legacy campus. Always such a powerful moment, right, as we think about the fact that not only did Jesus come to light this dark world, but he calls us to light this dark world, to be people of impact. And God has placed you where he's placed you on purpose, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your place of work, in your family, on your team, whatever, wherever you are. God, you're not just there. You're there with that purpose. And I think most of us say, yeah, this world is dark and this world's messed up and it's broken. And I want to be part of making it better. And God wants you to be part of making it better. And when you put that together, character and impact, I mean, I think all of us would say, well, I want that. I mean, who wouldn't want that? And if it was just about wanting it, if it was just about good intentions, then this would be easy. Right? Because all of us have good intentions to be that kind of become that kind of person, have that kind of impact. But it doesn't just happen. And you know why it doesn't just happen? Um, The reason it doesn't just happen is because you and I have a role to play in it. That there's, there's part of this, it's a, a lot of this, that's actually up to us. Like if there's a holdup, we're the holdup. God has the vision. He'll may help make it happen, but there's a role for you and me to play. And Paul talks about that. He says it this way. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, this is totally cool. Because God has a part, he's got some work to do, and you and I have some work to do to fulfill this vision that God has for us. So let's talk about God first. God who works in you. Now, both of these words in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, both of these words for work, both of these verbs are actually different verbs. Same in English, but different in Greek. So God's word, God's verb in Greek for work is inner gain, is the Greek word from which we get energy or energize. So it's God who energizes you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, this is awesome. So God has all the horsepower in the world, all the power in the world. And he says, look, I want this so much for you. I'm ready to go. Like, I will energize you not only to do it, to pull it off, but to actually want to. To will and to act like he will give us the want to, because a lot of us like, yeah, kind of want that, but I kind of don't. And, and sometimes you can say, God, I know the right thing to do. I need you to energize me to actually really want to do that enough to do it. And he'll, he's ready to do that. Like game on, let's do it. And not only to want to do it, but actually pull it off to energize us. Now think about God's power, ready to energize you to live into that vision and become the kind of person that you want to become. He wants you to become accomplish this stuff. I mean, it's ready. I, I picture it like this, like a Lamborghini you know, V12, 850 horsepower engine on top of a riding lawnmower. Because I'm from Alabama. That's like awesome in Alabama. You'd be like, roll tide. That's the way to go. And uh, like all this power available to us. Right? Just ready to go. But you and I, so God's not going to hold up. He's ready to energize, ready to make it happen. But we have a job to do. We have some work to do. And that word translated work out, that word translated work, is a word that means to activate or bring to completion or to set in motion. That God is ready to energize that, but he won't just make it happen without us. He won't just push his vision on us. You and I have a role to play, and that is to put it in motion, to take some steps. Like we're not where God wants us to be, and there's some steps that he will invite us to take. That we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when you look at that phrasing, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? 
like work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What it makes it look like is salvation. We think of as easily like a lot like heaven versus hell and then fear and trembling. So like, oh, bad, you better do this because otherwise uh, you may go to the bad place and you should be scared about that. That's not what he's saying. Um, when when the Bible talks about salvation, it's not just where you spend eternity after you die. For the, when the Bible talks about salvation, it's talking about the whole thing, how God is saving us from ourselves, how he's redeeming our brokenness like it, it's now. It's the whole Christian life. It's, how, it's him making us like Jesus. Theologians use this word sanctification it's, or to describe spiritual growth. It's not just about where you spend eternity. It's about everything God wants to do in your life. And he says, work like you've got a role to play in that and do it with fear and trembling. Now, fear and trembling isn't talking about being scared to death that I'm going to go to the bad place. That's not the deal. Um, That little phrase, fear and trembling, was a word that was used in other religious writings, like other Jewish writings. You know, Christianity came out of Judaism. Paul uh, came out of, of that. And even other Christian writings around the same time. It was a common phrase, fear and trembling, to, uh, to just describe the sense of awe of an opportunity or of a situation or of God. Um, it, I think what Paul is saying here is, look, this is such an incredible opportunity. It is an awesome opportunity, one to approach, not as like, oh, whatever, but with fear and trembling. Think of it this way. I don't know where you work, but let's say you work at a really large company. Just imagine that. And the CEO of your company calls you into her office. And you're like, what's the CEO want with me? You know, you'd be, there'd be some fear and trembling. You'd be like, you know, check your breath, you know, all that. Or, and then you go in there and like they say, hey, we want you to manage this or we want you to do this project or lead this department or whatever. You'd be like, whoa. Or even let's, let's amp it up. Let's say the board of your company calls you in and they want to talk to you about an opportunity. Man, you make sure you have the right clothes, that you, you know, all that. And then you go in there. What do they want? Oh, my, what's this going to be? Right? There'd be this fear and trembling, this awe that you would feel of that moment. Well, jump that up times a million. Because the God of the universe is looking at you and he's saying, I know you. I've thought about you. I have a vision for your life. I want you to become everything you've been destined to become and accomplish everything you've been destined to become. Just shine like a star in the sky. That's all. I, I, I want all that for you. And Paul is saying that is an awesome fear and trembling kind of moment. It, don't mess it up. It's too good of an opportunity. But here's the thing. Even though, even once you know, yeah, it's an incredible opportunity and all that. Here's why it's a little hard to happen. Because it demands change. And change is uncomfortable. It demands that we take some steps. And it's just easier not to. I mean, here's the truth about the Christian life. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's transformation. Because we're not there yet, right? It, vision is about God's preferred, preferred future. So uh, lots of F's. So if you, let's say the vision, God's vision for us is this table and I'm over here. Well, if I'm going to get from here to there, what do I got to do? I've got to walk, right? I've got to take some steps. And the Bible uses that image of walking and following Jesus. The problem is it's just easier to stay where we are. The transformation is uncomfortable and takes concerted, intentional and ongoing effort on our part. Right. So if I know that, I mean, change is hard. It's even if I'm miserable, it's easier to stay miserable sometimes and to actually take some steps that will lead me to a better place. 
um, or if I'm mediocre or whatever it is, right? It just, and, you, and, and God will call us to take steps. That's why he calls, you know, this, this following Jesus or the image that's used a lot in the Bible to talk about the Christian life is walking with God or keeping in step with his spirit. There's always a step to take, right? But it's easier not to. It's easier to say the same. So let's say, uh, um, let's say in your relational life, your dating life, you think, man, my dating life is terrible. Like I, I never meet the right kind of people and I don't, I, I feel guilty about, you know, the kind of what I'm doing. And I know that's not the kind of person I'd want to marry. And, uh, and, and man, I just, you know, and, and I know I probably should change some things in terms of where I'm meeting people and what I'm doing and all that. But it's just, and I don't like my life right now, but it's just comfortable. It's what I know, right? Um, or maybe you're married and you know your marriage is in trouble, or at least it may be not even trouble, it's just not great, and it could be way better. But you know, man, if I do that, like if, to make it better, like we may have to go talk to somebody, like talk to a counselor or to a pastor, or in our small group actually have to be honest that we're having problems, and who wants that? You know, that's hard. Like it's just easier to stay the same. You know, or even in your personal life, you know, there's some things that would be really helpful if you worked with somebody to work out some of your past pain and issues. But that's hard. Just easier to keep burying it and act like it's not there. Right? That's true. That, that's also true. It's just, it's, it's easier to stay the same in our Christian life too. Like this series, Future Quest, is an incredible opportunity. I mean, we've designed it that way. I mean, these topics each week that we'll be talking about are, are each future building principles. It's a defining moment kind of series. It's a fork in the road kind of series. And the fact that you're here already is really cool. I mean, the fact that you've started a new year coming to church is pretty awesome. I mean, that's a priority. That's a decision. You could be somewhere else. It's a lot easier to be than in church, but you're here. That's cool. That's a step. And I encourage you to keep taking steps. I encourage you to come to each week of this series because God will have something unique about our future each week that will be really important. Uh, I encourage you to get in a group. And I know it's easier not to get in a group. It's a whole lot easier not being in a group than being in a group. That's true for me too. And that's true for everybody. And especially if you're not, I mean, I'm in a group already, so at least I know what I'm dealing with. If you're going to start a group like Future Quest, every one of our series, I mean, every one of our campuses is making in this series, getting involved in a group as easy as possible. We've done this video curriculum and at the Space Center that I did and all that to make it interesting. They, the leaders are trained. Everything's ready to go. You can do it depending on your campus. It, it may be at your campus with childcare. I mean, it, it's like the easiest time ever to be in a group and it's all ready to go, all there, and we invite you to jump in, but it's hard to do that. Because what if you get in a group and you don't like these people, you know, or they don't like you, or it just there's always a risk, right, to, to a step like that. And I'm going to encourage you to take this risky step. And if you're not in a group, get in a group. If you're in a group, go to your group and be authentic about what's really going on in your life. Don't fake it until you make it. Just be real and be authentic. Otherwise, you're wasting time. Right. And you'll help the group be authentic. You know, you want to make an impact and, and you know that God's put on your heart to be involved in some kind of ministry in the community or in our church or something like that. And you have this intention out there. That's cool. Intentions are cool. They just don't get you anywhere. So actually take the step. Right. See, all of us have a next step to take. That's the nature of the Christian life. It is walking with God, keeping in step with the spirit, following Jesus. Guess what? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. They don't stay still. 
they, they always move us closer to where they, you know, to the vision that God has for us. And so I want all of us, we're about to pray here in a, in a little bit. I want us all to identify our next step. Because all of us have a next step. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. All of us have a next step to take. That's the nature of the Christian life. And we're going to pray and talk to God here in a little bit and just say, God, what is that step? Because here's our principle. God has a vision for your life and he invites you to join him and walk with him into the future that he has for you. And today we're going to start very profound but simple to say, you know what, God, I just I commit to follow you if that's where you're at. Or, but I want to take a next step. And it could be if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm just going to stay in the game. I'm going to continue to check this out. That's cool. That's a great step. But whatever step God's calling you to take, I invite you to take it. Because, again, I want you to picture like God at that restaurant looking across the table from you and saying, Hey, look, I've got a huge vision for your life. You're not just here. I didn't just make you. I made you with a destiny, with a purpose, and there are things I want to do in your life, and there are things I want to do in your relationships, there are things I want to do through you to make a difference in this world, and it's cool. And, I, and I'm all for I'm ready to energize everything, but I invite you to join me. I invite you to take a step. So let's bow our heads together, and as I often say, if you're new, I'll say it again. Uh, prayer is just talking to God in your own words. You don't have to have somebody pray for you that's like more legitimate than you or something, or uh, that says all the right flowery words. God doesn't care about that. In fact, one time Jesus said, yeah, don't do that. I I don't need a bunch of flowery, repetitious words. That's kind of gross. You just talk to him. He loves you. He's your father. So just just talk to him. And and I'm going to invite all of us, wherever you're at with God, to just say the same thing to God and then just kind of ask him to speak into your life, in your heart. Just say, God... What, what is my next step? What are, you, what are you calling me to do to step more fully into the future that you have for me? And God, just right now, just kind of speak that into my life, into my heart. And then with whatever he brings to mind, I would encourage you just to say, God, I, help me take that step. I know you're ready to energize it. So... I need some extra oomph on the want to because part of me wants to do that. Part of me doesn't want to do that. So, God, would you give me the want to and the ability to pull it off? And I know God will answer that prayer. And on behalf of all of us, I'll pray this. Father, thank you that you think about us. that You care about us. That you created us with a sparkle in your eye with a joyful gleam, with potential, with a destiny. And you believe in us no matter what we've done or have been done to us. You just, you're a redeemer and a restorer. And you love to use broken people and remake our lives and use us to do incredible things. And so God, would you, would you help us believe that? And would you help us to continue to walk with you? And thank you for being who you are and for believing in us that much. In Jesus' name. Amen.